there's always a seed of doubt in your mind whether something's going to work. Whether you hear those comments as far afield as that. And I think this is now the time to really take this platform to the next level. Welcome to this week's MTD podcast, Global Reach. We will discuss how and why MTD CNC have gone global on us. I'm Giovanni Albanese, hosting today's show, a passionate engineer with 25 year experience in the engineering and manufacturing sector and a proud member of the MTD team. I'm joined by two people. One of them doesn't need any introduction. Oh, thank Mr. you. Mr. Paul <laughs> Jones. <laughs> he started engineering back in 1995 as an apprentice at Rolls-Royce. Well, when then... you 32. <laughs> that gives me 26 years experience. One is more it, than you. Is it 26, 26. years? 1995? Yeah. yeah. Was it 1992? I know, it's 1992. Oh, 1992. Oh, yeah. 26 years oh, experience. Right. Just get on with it, guys. <laughs> no, honestly. <laughs> He then became, or claimed to become, the best machine tool salesman in the land. No, in working. his own road. <laughs> Just his own road. Is this, this is your life. <laughs> <laughs> Worked for many brands, including DMG Murray and Mills. Top salesman at DMG Murray, we heard. Never. Apparently, mm, yeah. Mills, never. <laughs> Some may choose to disagree. But now is the managing director and founder of MTD CNC, which he started back in 2008, is that correct? 2007. 2007. You've done all your research, Gio. Well, well, I did tell you yes. to send me the dates last night, but you didn't send yeah, them. No, it was 2007, <laughs> but it was 2008 when it flourished. Right, so okay. probably right. So yeah. that's going back some time. And I'm also joined by, you must know who it is by now, the one and only Colin Griffiths. Really, there must be a round of applause for that on the soundboard. AKA Silver Fox. The natural highlights, Gio. He started his working career in banking, yes, banking. Yes. After leaving university, he then joined the engineering arena in 2013. 2014, Gio. <laughs> <laughs> As the director of MTD yeah. Network. You've, you've forgotten all my travels. I lived in Australia for, well, Australia for well, 10 come years. To, come to like that. Sorry, Gio, sorry to live on your thunder. With the privilege of visiting engineering companies across the UK. Privil Welcome, guys. Privilege <laughs> 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 for them, Thank you, for you. Okay, yes, absolutely. Let's start with you, Mr. Jones. Why did you get into engineering, going right back to it, your apprentice? It was my dad. It was my dad. He always said, I hated school, absolutely hated school with a passion, although I was obviously highly intellectual. But <laughs> he basically said to me, you've got to go out and get a skill, get a trade under your belt. And if you've got that, then whatever happens, you'll always have that to fall back on. And at the time, he ran an engineering company, a successful engineering company. And to be honest, it was a sort of a greasy nut and bolt type industry back then, going back to 19, 1990, 1990, that was when I started. Your first, no, your first engineering job would have been, before that would have been on that Renault GT5, wouldn't it? Possibly, yeah, yeah. No, it was mechanics. Oh. There's a difference it, yeah. between an engineer and a mechanic. Well, you'd engineered a few nuts and bolts on the side <laughs> of it and then flogged it. But yeah, so then I went for an apprenticeship at 16, got given an apprenticeship by Rolls-Royce, did the first year at a training academy or training school where you were doing, using centrelays, universal milling machines, filing, all of that sort of welding, all of the stuff that gets you into engineering. And then I was dispatched to my employer, Rolls-Royce, in about 91 or 92, where I spent the next four years working as an apprentice, Fully qualified by about 95, 
And then I actually worked then for Rolls-Royce on uh, night shift for the next four years. So you slept for four using, years. <laughs> using a vertical turning machine amongst others. Bedford, what, big, big, white or Allen's in Bedford? Yeah, it was so Allen's the machine was vertical and you were... Horizontal. horizontal. <laughs> <laughs> you had that one written down, didn't you? Oh. And so you, you honed your football skills as well, I heard. I did, yeah, yeah, in the factory. But yeah, so that was really where my experience in engineering came from. And I have to say that back in those days, I was one of about 30 apprentices, which we're starting to see again, but certainly between that generation and now hasn't been strong. I've seen a common, there's a common factor really from some of the previous podcasts where we've touched upon people's reasons for getting into engineering and a lot of them are because their fathers were engineers. Yeah. We had Cogs on and both of their fathers were engineers and Lee's dad actually was a ship builder up north. He was a good builder. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but he moved down to the Midlands which were the mecca of engineering back in the day in the 1970s to go and work for Rolls-Royce as well. The interesting thing is where I was working at Allen's it was full of Italian from the Bedford area who had all come over in nice the, people yeah it all come over <laughs> for the brickworks yeah. which was just down the road my in grandfather Stuart did as well. really and yeah. a lot of them sort of migrated towards the engineering field to become operators and programmers so yeah, yeah my granddad both my grandparents come to the UK to work in the brickyards my dad become a sheet metal worker and he wanted me to get a trade in engineering no he was That's a good so. metal worker <laughs> not too good and Colin banking I'm still stunned by he's just stunned by gang now <laughs> So what, you went to university uh, oh, well, to no, become... I didn't uh, go to university until I was 30, but that's another story. So okay. I had an epiphany after a, a week a week in Ibiza that I decided I need to go and get a degree. But So I did 10 years banking, went to university, got a degree, went travelling, did 10 years in Australia, not as a convict, obviously, <laughs> and then came back and banking and then gave it all up to join MTD. And what was the reasons behind you joining MTD apart from your relationship with Paul? I needed a job. <laughs> <laughs> a great opportunity and just, yeah, everyone knows finance out there and it's just, there's no ability to, there's no passion in it and you can't use your sort of imagination and things like that. So yeah. it's just not freedom because we, we don't go completely bonkers, but you can learn in new stuff all the time and things like that. I mean, when I first started and you're going to wince at this, ready to wince, I didn't know the difference between a mill and a lathe. I still don't, actually, but that's another story. <laughs> yeah, but you've learnt so much. But I mean, we, we used to have, before Colin worked with us... Well, it turns out. We used to have a strap line, which was four engineers built by engineers or something like that. I can't remember exactly what it was. <laughs> but one day I sent him an email and he replied to it and he changed this tagline. What did you change no, When you to? first started the company, I think you were on about setting up a bank account and the tagline was, like you say, built for engineers by engineers. Yeah. And I, I put in there, I changed it to built by idiots for idiots. <laughs> 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 oh, but that was yeah, that was yeah, two thousand. And then we in. had an idiot join us. So <laughs> yeah. There you go. So I mean, your journey's been. I mean, you've had to learn quickly in this industry. Learn, you know, I mean, you know what? Learning every single day, yeah, yeah. all the time. It's absolutely amazing. Just so many different things. And that's why part. Well, that's part of MTD Global as well. Not wish to move us on, but they just. Seeing new stuff yeah. and new techniques and everything like that. But yeah, before we get on to global, I want yep. to go into, well, we've only just finished your apprenticeship, Paul, mm. so I want to kind of... Well, no, he's been qualified uh, for years now. <laughs> but after that, you went into the machine tool industry, yes. you know, into yes. sales. That was yes. your first sales job. Why did you get into sales? Anna? Well, there was a break between 1999 and 2001. Most of the tools you were using. Which I went travelling. 
So I went right, traveling okay. around the world. And when I got to the end of that period, and that's a whole other story. But, Is that you when know, you were DJ Jones on the wheels of steel? Yeah, in, D- in, DJing um, in, in, in nightclubs and then in Australia, <laughs> picking fruit, cutting cauliflowers, doing all that sort of good stuff. There came a point when I really needed to get back to reality, get into work. And of course, I had my engineering apprenticeship. I knew Matthew Jeunesse. And I'd said to him, I was coming back to the UK in 2001, might have even been 2000, I can't remember. I said, I was coming back to the UK. I want to go into sales. I don't want to go back onto the shop floor. Will you give us an opportunity? And he said, no. So so he, he said, yeah, okay, we can't obviously afford to pay a high salary salesman. You'll have to work on a commission basis. And I said, right, okay, supply me with a car and a phone and a computer and a high salary and a pension and no no and I just said yeah if you can give us the basics I'll go out and I'll sell for you on a commission basis which is then what I did then for Microlock for about three weeks six to eight maybe a year maybe a year I think it was very hard work but a great product so I was able to find my feet and meet various salesmen a networking that was selling machine tools. And then one of those salesmen said, have you considered going into machines? He worked for Bridgeport, which was Bridgeport then. And then I got contacted by the sales manager of Bridgeport, went for an interview, started working for them, worked for them for about six or eight months. Same thing happened, got approached then by DMG Mori, then went to work for DMG Mori, stayed there then for about two or three years. Is that with the infamous Richard Blake? Yep. And then following on from there, another, I went to Mill CNC, which is where I finished my machine tool sales career back in 2007. So that happened quite quickly, really. And to the stage then, you had kind of a eureka moment, if you like, Mm. decided to set up MTD. So what inspired you to do this? Well, we had a sales meeting at the end of every year at Mill CNC. And one at this particular year, I think it was the end of 2006, In fact, I found a letter the other day from my old managing director detailing, it's fascinating for me to go back and see, but it was detailing what trends he predicted in the market over the coming year. So it would have been 2007. And one of them was a big shift in how people looked at machinery. And he had invited in a digital marketing specialist to our sales meeting on January the 5th or the 6th to present how Google and how all of the internet world was going to change the face of manufacturing. And I actually found this letter the other day. So it's interesting you say that. And I was reading it. And basically, I went and sat in that meeting and listened to this guy. And he was presenting all these statistics and facts about what was happening in the world of the internet and the fact that at the moment, no one in machine tools was really capitalizing on this. So if Mills CNC were the first, they could get to the top of Google. They could do this, do all all this. And I just thought... It has to be because at that point as well, my managing director then, Mike Jenkins, he actually said this year we're going to spend much less in magazines and spend more on digital, but we just need to find out where we're going to spend it. And I thought, wow, there is not really anywhere to spend it. So maybe here's an opportunity to create something where he could invest that money in in order to help. And that's really where it started. So I resigned a couple of months later after sort of establishing what I was going to do. Went back to him with my resignation. He said I was completely bonkers. He said, you must be absolutely <laughs> nuts, but I'll be your first customer. That's I was going to say, story. who was your first customer? He was the first customer. Oh, fantastic so, story. So I left. He still owes you money. <laughs> yeah. So I left with his blessing and also with my first customer. That's so fantastic. That was really weird. So effectively, you were kind of, I hate to say it, but a visionary. You found your why, you found your passion, you found something that you believed in and you followed it through. Yeah. today yes in a lot of senses yeah. yes i mean there's been a lot of twists and turns in oh, the journey I, and it's I, been I was a- listening to another podcast recently and it was saying that technology now is moving at such a rate that prior to kind of 
today. Companies used to have yearly meetings to assess what kind of technology they need to embrace to kind of make them more efficient. But now these meetings should be really moved to a monthly meeting at the rate in which technology is evolving. And also that in regards to technology, some people look at it as a distraction or something to be scared of or something that's going to disrupt their business. But people actually should be looking at it as a solution, as a way. It. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that MTD... And there's that, isn't there that cartoon of some bloke, I mean, prehistoric or whatever, some bloke, he's got square wheels and he, someone comes along with a round wheel and goes... Well, I'm too busy. I haven't got time to look at that. And it's an opportunity. Technology yeah. is an opportunity. If you embrace it, it's an opportunity. Yeah. It's always going to be moving forward, and we always and then that's what MTD is about, isn't it? We are, or an MTD as an organisation is broadcasting all of the latest innovations at technology all the time. Now, this brings us on to the next step. Well, firstly, Colin, I want to hear about the network before we network. move on to global. Okay. So you become the director of the network. Yep. Can you tell us what this entails and how this has evolved? Obviously, it was very difficult for you. It must have been quite difficult for you coming from a different industry, a different sector, for you to build up a brand new platform such as oh, the it, network. Yeah, it is, but it's growing all the time. And it's just that engineers want to have the heads in the machines and things like that. Mm. It's a way of get their names out to the markets. We do the marketing for them. You know, you can have a nice marketing person charging 20, 30 grand a year, we do it and we've got a huge, huge reach in terms of LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, all, all digital media. So we could promote the engineers, showcase what they do because some of the stuff they do, a lot of stuff, they well, all the stuff they do is absolutely amazing, whether it's turned, milled, EDM'd, whatever it might be, 3D printed. So it's just a way of showcasing what they can do but also getting them work in. So they'll see something they've made and people will contact them direct or they'll inquire via the website. So, And then they get a chance to have a look at it and quote, we had loads of new business out of it we, they have so. so effectively you're winning companies business absolutely simple, yeah. and are you enjoying it more than banking absolutely 100 percent. i see yeah. my old banking colleagues <laughs> they're all taking early retirement so i'm hoping to early retire soon as well Brilliant. but no it's much yeah it's hard work and you're always learning things like that but it's you're fun. adding value it's, it's fun oh i don't know about adding value that's a big statement <laughs> there's a lot of shaking heads in the background but, but, but you're getting self-satisfaction from what you're doing yeah getting out and about i mean every day's i say you're learning all the time and just new things and just some of the parts these people make, just absolutely fantastic. So this really leads us on to the subject of this podcast, Global Reach, Global Reach from MTD. So MTD CNC, for people that are not aware or not aware of what MTD is, is a channel for the sellers of equipment, whether that be machine tools, work holding, metrology, cutting tools, any software. new technology, yeah. software that is related to the engineering or manufacturing industry, NTD, CNC promotes that technology and educates its audience into the benefits and solutions that that technology offers. Anything in a machine shop, basically. Absolutely. Yeah. Network is a channel that Colin heads up. And as Colin's just explained, it's a channel in which, again, brings in the products from the CNC channel, but also wins work for the end users. Absolutely. And we can also still promote the end users from the video and digital content that MTD produce. The natural and organic step really would be a global presence. So MTD Global started in 2019, and I think I've got that date right. Now, this channel is growing legs, and I just keep seeing it and seeing it in, on every single platform that I go on to, and it feels to me I've not been involved with it as much as you guys have. Why it's that, like it's taking off. Yeah. Well, when I say taking off, I don't like taking off. I like to remain well and truly on the ground. So why did it originate? It came from... It was my idea. Yeah, it was, it was demand from... It's evident going round Europe and further afield that we go into companies 
factories as well as equipment suppliers and they know us they know the brand they've seen what we do they're familiar with the way and the method and the style that we use and they want some themselves and that's really what it came about and then it's a case of okay well we don't want to change the success or change the dynamic of mtd cnc here in the uk because that would be wrong it's perfectly placed and positioned to do everything that you correctly said it does and obviously you've been part of that growth as well in recent years but globally we needed to have a platform that could provide a similar platform for those overseas to invest in and since you're quite right it was sort of on the cusp of 18 19 when the global channel actually started well, i think it was off the back wasn't it off the back of <clears throat> Someone mentioned about going to Tim Toss where you can get a grant to go there. And I think that's where it first started. Yeah, yeah. That was the first sort of big overseas yeah. one yeah. as Global Colours. But when you think before that, we've been to Emos, we've been to all of these places yeah. and they're like, can you come to our factory? Can you come here? Can you film this? Can you create this? Can you do this? And they follow it. They follow it around the world. And it's just kind of taken real shape. And certainly the last six months of last year, it's just really, really Have uh, you got any stats in regards to the percentage of viewers that are from outside of the UK? Yeah, we have two different YouTube channels. So Global has its own footprint YouTube channel, which is much, much smaller than CNC. But at the moment, what we're doing is using both of those vehicles to promote the global products. But as the global YouTube channel grows, we will then just migrate slowly over to the global YouTube. But in answer to your question, it's around about 65% UK. 35% around the world. That's the CNC channel. So there is a lot of traffic coming from other regions. And just going back to about people recognising stuff like that, we've done Emo and A&B before and then got that, I'd say our first MTD global trip was Tim Toss. Yeah, but we got through the door, we saw a couple of stands and one of the first people we saw was actually Clyde from Fast Cut. Oh, genuinely, MTD, I see you videos and brilliant. And I think that's really when the sort of light switch is like, hang on a minute, we've set this thing up. There's always a seed of doubt in your mind whether something's going to work, how quite you're going to get it to where you want to get it. But when I think you hear those comments as far afield as that, and there was more than one, maybe a dozen (laughs) in there, it's like, right, this is now the time to really take this platform to the next level. I mean, effectively, what kind of aspirations have you got for Global? I mean, this could really be the biggest channel of the lot quite quickly. I think it will be. Yeah, I think it will be. As long as we can get Colin off, it'll go. Yeah, absolutely. I'm fine with that. It will, with undoubtedly, I would suggest, we did a press release the other day on the growth and the success of it, but I would estimate by 2023, the global channel will be the biggest channel that MTD offers. MTD CNC will still grow at its astronomical rate, but the global one will just grow faster and it will be much bigger. So that would be the estimation. I mean, like from my short time at MTD, which... It is really when you think about just over two years. Even from when I first started, I would get messaged in, inboxed in on my LinkedIn account from potential global companies wanting us to do videos back then from two years ago. I mean, we had one last week. Last week, constantly. I mean, the reach of MTDCNC, the proof is in the pudding, really. These inquiries, they have a need and necessity for us to go and promote their products. And what another angle, what I'm looking at. And I tried to do a bit of research on this podcast and I thought to myself, how would it benefit the UK market? And I think it will benefit the UK market tremendously by people also following the MTD Global Channel because it's educational. We've done podcasts with Fanuc, for example. Well, the density of automation within the UK is very low in comparison to other G7 countries. Now, if we can tap in and get an insight into how 
other countries' successful manufacturing companies. And Germany, I'd say, is number one in regards to the demand for MTD. In my opinion, I could be wrong. You can correct me, Paul, if I'm wrong. But if we can tap in and see what they're doing correctly, we can follow suit or we can see different strategies in there which they're using. There's so many different... Have you seen, Colin, well, have you seen new technologies on oh, your absolutely. travels? I mean, you say about automation, yeah, that is key. I mean, I think South Korea, almost 700 robots per 10,000, something like that, of those statistics. But... Just a different technology we've seen. A slider, which is cutting four faces. I mean, we've talked about balanced turning, superimposed, but this one's cutting four faces at one time, for example. I'm just trying to think. Right it's just so many laser, different types of laser cutting techniques. I know we're still fab as an example, so it's going to be that sort of fabrication side of things. But just the way... I didn't know there were so many laser cutting machines, for example, yeah. and they've got entry-level ones. It's just amazing. It will become a monster. It's yeah. evident already that it's very much on its way. It's going to be a lot of hard work getting it to those levels because, of course, the stuff we do, you can't do without jumping on a plane, a train, or so we're going to need more people, but we're well-equipped to be able to do that to find them. We're going to need more resource in order to grow it, but the value is there in order to do that, and so is the returns. from For, for UK OEMs that are listening to this podcast that may want their products promoting globally what would be the benefits for them in a nutshell really well this is you've hit on a good point there because there is a couple of companies in fact one the microlock obviously where we spoke about my start into the sales career some years ago he's used our global channel to find distribution overseas he used to have distributors in germany italy france and he's now looking for new ones in some of those countries, but he's also looking further afield, the states, and he's looking to use our channel in order to be able to find those. And that's as simple as almost peddling your wares through the channel and saying, I've got this product and I'm looking for distribution in the states. Is anybody out there from the states watching? Because they will be. Well, that's exactly what, because we were at Steelfab a couple of weeks ago and they've got a fantastic Great Britain village, didn't they? Mm. And compared to other, there's some shows and there's villages for different countries, but they were, as UK was the only one that had it there. And it was really impressive, but there was, I'm trying to remember who it is, and an apologies for that, I can't, but they were looking specifically, well, I know Citizen Miano were looking for distributors out there as well, but there was another company. So Holroyd? Was it uh, Holroyd? Holroyd was another one. Cause Parweld? I think it was BSA Tubes or something Oh, like Tube Cutters, yeah, 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 yeah. BSA but yeah. Absolutely, so having this channel, yes, you can go overseas and go to these shows, and you want to showcase what... UK manufacturing, Great Britain manufacturing does, but this is your first point of call, definitely. I mean, there is an argument to suggest that I wouldn't want to take anything away from the Great British Pavilion, but an investment in our services and our audience could be a favourable route when you're looking at trying to find those distributions. Can you explain that in a bit more detail? Well, in the sense that if you have to go to an exhibition to exhibit, you've got to get there, you've got to travel, you've got to man it for a week, you've got to set your stand up, you've got to wait for the footfall to come to you. If you've got automatically an audience here on our channel of over half a million people per month of what we're saying is 35% overseas, so you do the maths on that, what's that, 150,000 people per month and Good growing, coming to our 000. channel, why not say you're looking for distribution in the States, you're looking for distribution in Germany, using our channel because there are people in those countries that will see yeah, it I think and more than at exhibitions. You say, again, going back to what we talked about earlier in terms of people recognises, Tim Toss in Russia... That, well, that, was one of my, it. that was one I'm of the sorry, first Jay. trips I can remember. Sorry, Colin. Yeah, in Russia. Oh, MTD, we recognise you guys and love what you do. Still fab again. Every show we've been to, people are recognising us. Absolutely. Well, brilliant. I think it makes perfect sense, really, when you think of it logically. I think that the world's becoming a smaller place 
And some of the people's products are not meant to be just sold in one country. They're meant to be sold globally. Mm. So if you've got a dedicated platform to promote your products from such as MTD Global, surely this will be a benefit to anyone using yeah. that channel to do so. It's globalisation. Absolutely, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Will you look to have foreign MTD subsidiaries? I don't think it's necessary, if I'm honest. I think one of the big things that we've always... Well, unless you could do one in Maldives, I'll do that. Yeah. <laughs> Maldives or Maldives, well, one of those ones. Uh, German, Lindsay Vickers. <laughs> <laughs> I think one of the things you have to be careful with when you're developing a brand or a product is you have to keep quite tight on your standards. And I'm not suggesting that by going to almost like a franchise-type model wouldn't work, but I would feel far more secure growing from inwards to out. So I would rather recruit people within our team in order to create what we need to create and keeping it as part of the MTD theme. Because it's not only, Colin talks about the people that see us and he's correct, everywhere we go, it's MTD. And it's not just about the channel and the technical information that we provide. It's the style with which you, Colin, Joe, Mark, Lindsay, all of us produce this content. And it's the style that we have to make sure is in keeping throughout the growth of what we do in order to continue the success. And in regards to your plans for 2020 travels around the world, I know you've been doing a lot of planning recently, Colin. What I, have you got? I'm planned? having a wry chuckle because everywhere I plan to go, it seems to be a <laughs> bit of a breakdown because we went to Dubai and there was a few issues there. I'm supposed to go to China soon. That depends on the coronavirus. So we'll see on that one. But hopefully we'll go fully like add suit up. So we'll be all right. But we're going to... Seeking out loud here, we're going to IMTS for the first time this year. Um, EMO is you, as it is EMO, EMO, AMB, IMTS, ITES in China, Metalu Robotka in Russia, loads of shows. Metav in Germany, yeah, in Germany. It's a Poland show as well. Yep, we're going and one to in Turkey as well. Turkey, yeah. Yep, it's yeah. all guns blazing. And the UK ones as well. So you've got Southern coming up, you've got obviously Mac coming up, which is a big one for us. Mm. That's all, I mean. We think of global, but UK, we need to showcase UK shows as well, which we'll be doing. Well, absolutely. I think we've got a showcase UK number one. And I think that we've finally, it looks like we've got over the Brexit now. But to bridge the kind of concerns of export, etc. again, this global channel is such a fantastic platform for everyone to use from a sales perspective and bring in buyers together with buyers, sellers together with sellers, the, so the, on and so the, forth. One of the biggest things for me about this channel is it's following, and I think I said this to you the other day, it's about following a journey. So you can, I might want to pick up a part and think how it's best made and see the machine that's best to make it. That's fine. We can demonstrate that through our vehicle. But what people also want to see, I believe, is some of these events and some of these shows, what's around them? What's the communities like around them? What is the manufacturing base like around these countries and these places? What is there to do when you get there if you go to this show? Because all of these things matter and it also humanises a lot of what we're doing. I mean, we have some great fun when we go away. We work very hard. <laughs> but, yourself, but we like to be able to say, look, if you come to these particular shows, Steel Fab is an example we've just got back from, Still Fab is a show to go to if you want to be involved in the Middle East. The Middle East is growing in terms of its manufacturing base. It's expanding rapidly. 26% of the world's investment is going to go into the Middle East in coming years. There's a diverse change between oil and gas industry across to aerospace and medical. And these are the sorts of messages that we want to put across to people well, around the in, world as well. That ties in who was being showcased there because you're thinking your big 
fabrication machines and your press brakes and things like that. But it, there was a lot more machine tool companies at, at Steelfab, wasn't there? So you, yeah. your DMG Morris, your Haas, your... Um, and that compared yeah. to a few years ago has changed and becoming more of a machining hub there now. So what we're finding, what we want to do is educate the people from, let's say, from Germany or from Australasia to go, oh, actually, the Middle East, that looks like a good trip. I could go to Steelfab. Oh, and look, the guys went up the Burj Khalifa and <laughs> the beach isn't bad and actually the beer's expensive. So you, Did you, you enjoy the, did you enjoy the Burj Khalifa I, I, trip? I, yeah, I did. Yeah, it was great. Paul was quaking in his book. Just to clarify, I know this is a podcast, but <laughs> see the video we did about the steel fab and Paul, absolutely terrified, I think. Is that it's, a fair, it's a fair assumption. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. But it's good for people to know that and see that as well. So yeah. when they think next year, steel fab, there's a show on, I'm going to go on to MTD CNC Global and I'm going to have a look at what's at the event, what's around the event, what the guy's perception of it is. Because for us, we can go to many events and just shoot the technologies there, but you need to know what's behind it. You need to know the journey and the history of the event and what happens in the local community. I think that these channels are all bringing them together and merging them together. <laughs> I'm having a chuckle because when we went to Timtos at Taiwan, great, great trip. And we saw a load of different companies. Fastcut, for example, had the... Uh, Single, now, single spindle, but it's cutting on both sides as an example. But just sharing what Paul's saying about going out in the evening. You go to a nice posh restaurant and, yeah, it's okay, it's cost a lot of money. We're going to go to a local restaurant. We turned up, didn't speak a word of English. I mean, what is wrong with these people, obviously? <laughs> and uh, the menu, not a word of English on it. So we're pointing at stuff, saying, I'll have some of that, please. And Paul was doing his best cowing and chicken impression. It was a little <laughs> bit embarrassing. But it was cheap. So there it you was, go. The food, well, I thought the food was excellent. Yeah. And... Paul learned how to use chopsticks. Yes. Actually, no, he didn't. Bad, he, oh, he got a knife and fork. But again, that is something that the Taiwanese show, that's a big show. People oh, can go to Timtos and they can see the latest technology, which is developed in the Far East. You look at Steel Fab in Dubai, there was very little automation. Now, the reason for that is down to the cost of labour in the local area. So automation becomes secondary. Some might choose to disagree. They should still embrace it. And I'm not saying that they shouldn't, but they weren't showing it off because labour is so, so cheap. So you're starting to see the difference in economies around the world, how different sectors are evolving in different economies. Well, and that's very, really interesting. There was more sort of slant towards welding and things like that because at the weld competition, for example, we learned how to weld. We got the <laughs> AI welding and I was champion of that. And that's something in the UK that's a big industry that is growing all the time. We were in Belgium with MTD Global last week as well, at the home of RoboJob. And I'll give you one example in which we looked at solutions potentially that we could look to embrace here in the UK. In the UK, when you look at three-axis and fifth-axis machines doing low-volume work, you don't usually or often see them automated unless it's an OEM solution which is built in, such as the Matsoras, for example. Mm. But in the Belgian facility of RoboJob, they've got their own subcontract company called Alaro, I believe, CNC, in which they are actually automating the free axis and fifth axis machines for low to medium volume. So, work. It's, so it's education, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. People think it's got to be 5,000 off, whatever. You don't need to. You can have loads of different batch run. Batch sizes, can't you? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's got a, I think, really, in answer to your original question, Geo, there's a real good split and synergy between the channels. The global one does fit perfectly into everything we've just said. And yet MTD CNC remains completely unaffected, continues to grow, continues to evolve as a channel and a go-to place for manufacturers here in the UK to look at. So it's a perfect, perfect combination. We're coming to the end of this podcast. Thank you very much for your time, guys. Just to summarise, really, we've been getting requests all the time, for example, to go and shoot videos at AMB. At IMTS. IMTS in America. Thanks, Colin. Right. So if, if, any, <laughs> <say that one. laughs> if anybody that's listening to this podcast 
from the UK or anywhere globally, please contact inquiries at MTDCNC to kind of book your place because we've only got limited capacity to be able to do a certain amount of filming and we're fastly getting get booked up. up yeah. So please, please get in touch. Guys, any last words? No, I just think I'd probably, I'm glad I said the bit a bit, the synergy of the channels is great. Global is very exciting. If you're really interested in manufacturing around the world, machining around the world, then it's definitely a platform to follow and watch. And learning new technology as well. It really is. Some of the stuff we've seen is absolutely amazing. Thanks, guys. It's been an absolute pleasure. As always, if you've liked this podcast, make sure to subscribe, comment, and ask any questions. Thanks again. Till next time, the MTD Podcast. Thanks, G-Man. Thanks for listening to the MTD Podcast. If you found value in this episode, please subscribe and leave a rating and review. Find more episodes on mtdcnc.com.